I need you to settle this debate. We're gonna get to the news in a second, but I need you to settle this. I am not going to tell you what side of this debate I'm on because I don't want to bias you, but my question to you is, do you think your life would be drastically different if you were four inches taller or four inches shorter? And if so, how and why? And while some of you spill your thoughts onto the internet, sup you beautiful bastards, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button if you want me to punch you in the throat, you weirdo, and let's just jump into it. Hey y'all, the first thing that we're gonna talk about today is a tale of two rays, specifically the creators Val Cray and Addison Ray. Right, so Addison Ray's beauty line, Item Beauty, just released a product called Screen Break, which is a blue light anti-pollution face mist. With a website's description for it reading, relieve tired screen drained skin with this hydrating boost of blue light protection. A botanical blend clinically proven to protect skin from screen emitted HEV blue light and daily pollution. And adding that its ingredients, quote, protect skin as you scroll, swipe, and stream. And it's being sold on both items, website and Sephora. Now for her part, Addison has appeared in promotional content for the product on its social media channel since last month. But for the most part, this completely flew under the radar until the Twitter account Esports shared this video on Twitter yesterday where Addison talks about the spray. And if you don't know, the blue light that comes from devices can actually cause skin fatigue. So this is clinically proven to help protect your skin from those artificial blue lights. Right, and so following that, the immediate reaction from most of the internet was, wait, wait a minute, this sounds way too familiar. Didn't Valkyrie just get drugged through the coals back in October for launching a similar product? Yeah, like we talked about on the show before, she announced a line called Reflex, saying that it was designed to protect skin from blue light pollution. The internet just dunked on her. But they're ultimately canceling the line because of the amount of backlash she was facing for touting pseudoscience. Right, as you might remember, there are a lot of experts who say there is simply no need for skin protection against blue light from screens. With, as you might remember, Michelle Wong, a cosmetic chemist, posting a TikTok saying, Even with a big ass monitor, you would need days or months to get the same blue light as 15 minutes of sun. And if you do want to protect against blue light from the sun, which honestly isn't a big issue for most people, these products still probably won't do much. And Kathleen Susie, a dermatologist at Yale, explaining to the Washington Post that this amount of blue light would only really affect an incredibly small group of people who are prone to pigment issues, not your average person. Referencing a 2019 study where researchers exposed one side of a person's face to blue light equal to that of a powerful screen but shielded the other side of the face and did so for eight hours a day, five days in a row. And explaining, they found that there was absolutely no difference in the side of the face that was exposed to blue light. Right, which is part of the reason why we saw so many people saying, why would Addison Ray release a product that literally got destroyed just a few months ago? This is like coming out with the Omicron variant for blue light protection cream. And what potentially makes this especially egregious is that there's no way the company launching this and or Addison Ray was not aware of what just happened. But seemingly, unless there's been this amazing breakthrough that just put all the other science in the garbage bin, they don't care that they're just selling snake oil. Right, so one, if I was Valkyrie, I would just be fucking downright furious. But she did joke about it saying, how is this real? But also two, it will be very interesting to see what happens with Addison Rae. Does she kind of quote unquote, get away with this because her audience is different? Like does Valkyrie end up getting hit because she has a different community that actually cares about like the, the moral uh, compass of a person? Whereas maybe Addison Rae is just like little, little tiny children that just like blindly idolize this person. They're not gonna hold that creator accountable. And I mean, that's kind of something that we see now and then. Usually it's the difference between like a mainstream artist that doesn't necessarily have to have like the amount of interaction with their audience that a, an online creator does. You know, the longer I, I kind of sit with this story, the, the more it feels like what Addison and her team have done here is far more egregious than what Valkyrie did. Because at least with Valkyrie, there could be some doubt, right? She trusts her team. She she maybe was misled by someone. She just kind of went along with stuff. But the, the controversy around her was so big, like we talked about, it's hard to imagine that Addison 
Madison and her team just di weren't aware of it. And while I don't have their demographic information in front of me, I think an educated guess would say that Addison Rae's audience is probably far younger. So you're gonna have people saying, you know, she's just misleading children who are gonna be less likely to push back than other people, and all for personal profit. Yeah, ultimately that is where we are with this right now. While uh, most of the internet has seemingly sounded off so far, Addison has not publicly responded to the criticism. Right, so maybe she's hoping she can kind of just withstand this storm, just wait it out, or, you know, I wonder what's gonna happen from here. And so with that, I do wanna ask the question, what are your thoughts on any and all aspects of this story? But from that, I wanna take a second to thank the sponsor of today's show, Scentbird. Bottles of cologne and perfume can cost 150 to 500 plus dollars. And who wants to spend that much money and risk not liking the scent a few days or weeks later? And that is exactly where Scentbird comes in. Scentbird is a monthly subscription that allows you to try fragrances and perfumes before committing to one. They work directly with Prada, Gucci, Rag & Bone, and over 600 amazing brands, which means that you choose a new designer fragrance each month before committing to a full bottle. Scentbird carries popular designer bottles for a fraction of these costs. You just slip the new fragrance into your refillable atomizer case and you're good to go. My personal favorite from this month's selection is Guilty by Gucci. It's got a clean scent that's subtle and fresh, but it's not overpowering. And with Scentbird, you can get a handful of high-end fragrances for just $16. And when you're ready, you can decide if you'd like to upgrade to the full size. And with my code, your first month is only $7. So just head on over to sbird.co slash defranco now and use code defranco for 55% off your first month sample. So thanks again to Scentbird for sponsoring today's video and check out those links below. And then, well, maybe this morning you saw the news that the Washington football team in the NFL is now called the Washington Commanders. The NFL's race issues and racism accusations are not over. With Fire Dolphins coach Brian Flores alleging in a devastating lawsuit yesterday that racism is alive and well in the NFL. The suit, which is seeking class action status, specifically names the NFL, New York Giants, Denver Broncos, Dolphins, but also lists the other 29 teams in the league as John Doe's. With Flores claiming the NFL remains rife with racism, especially when it comes to hiring and retention of black head coaches, coordinators, and general managers. And adding that over the years, the NFL and its teams have been given every chance to do the right thing. Rules have been implemented, promises made, but nothing has changed. Saying, in fact, the racial discrimination has only been made worse by the NFL's disingenuous commitment to social equity. With the filing going on to say and pulling no punches, in certain critical ways, the NFL is racially segregated and is managed much like a plantation. Its 32 owners, none of whom are black, profit substantially from the labor of NFL players, 70% of whom are black. The owners watch the games from atop NFL stadiums in their luxury boxes while their majority black workforce put their bodies on the line every Sunday, taking vicious hits and suffering debilitating injuries to their bodies and their brains while the NFL and its owners reap billions of dollars. With a suit noting that with the recent firings of Flores and Houston Texans coach David Culley, there is now just one black head coach in the league. And adding that in the rare cases black head coaches are hired, they are discriminated against in connection with the terms and conditions of their employment and compensation and terminated even as far less successful white head coaches are retained. And specifically, the filing states that Flores was fired from the Dolphins despite leading the team to back-to-back -back winning seasons for the first time since 2003. And according to the suit, Flores refused a directive from Dolphins owner Stephen Ross to intentionally lose games so the team would get a top pick in the draft. Even claiming that Ross offered to pay Flores $100,000 for every loss in his first season as coach and was mad at the coach's success in winning games. With it going on to accuse Ross of repeatedly pressuring Flores to recruit a prominent quarterback in violation of league tampering rules. And when he refused, he was treated with disdain and ostracized until he was ultimately fired. And saying that after his removal, he was defamed in the media and the league as someone who was hard to work with and cast as an angry black man. Flores also went on to explain that he was up for the head coach position with the New York Giants, but he claims that management subjected him to a sham interview process so they'd be in compliance with the Rooney Rule, which is a rule that requires teams to interview minority candidates for vacant senior positions. With Flores claiming that just hours after setting up his interview, he learned that the Giants had actually hired Buffalo Bills wide offensive coordinator Brian DeBall. This after receiving texts from New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick. And in those messages, Belichick appeared to congratulate Flores for landing the job, which he hadn't even interviewed for yet, with him ultimately realizing and Belichick even apologizing for 
accidentally sending the message to him instead of Brian Duvall, with Flores saying that after that he was still forced to sit through a dinner with the Giants general manager and quote, give an extensive interview for a job that he already knew he would not get for no reason other than for the Giants to demonstrate falsely that it was in compliance with the Rooney rule. But Flores also saying that was not the only sham interview, claiming that in 2019 he had an interview with the Broncos and the team executive showed up an hour late looking completely disheveled. It was very obvious they had been drinking heavily the night before and adding it was clear from the substance of the interview that he was only interviewed because of the Rooney rule and that the Broncos never had any intention to consider him as a legitimate candidate. And there are other allegations, but those are kind of the, the top line overarching claims that Flores is seeking unspecified damages for. Now, as far as how the NFL has since responded, they have denied the allegations, releasing a statement saying the claims are without merit. The Dolphins also saying they deny any allegations of racial discrimination and are proud of the diversity and inclusion throughout their organization. Also saying the implication that we acted in a manner inconsistent with the integrity of the game is incorrect. You also had the Broncos calling the allegations blatantly false, as well as the Giants defending their selection of Duvall and claiming that Flores was in the conversation to be our head coach until the 11th hour. But ultimately, as far as what's going to happen with the lawsuit, I mean, Flores has implied that he's still open to being hired as a coach, though, saying even if he was hired, he'd still continue with his lawsuit. And while it'll be interesting to see if others join his suit already, we've seen some speaking out as well. This including former Cleveland Brown head coach Hugh Jackson, who tweeted that he knows exactly what Brian Flores feels and that there are some similarities to his experience, with both Jackson and the head of his charitable organization posting and sharing multiple tweets that seem to claim that he had been paid off by the Browns owner to lose games and implying he may join Flores' suit. But for now, that is where we are, and we're going to have to wait to see how this develops. And then finally, let's talk about the super fun topic of Russia, Ukraine, and uh, definitely, definitely not World War III. It's not going to happen. I'm throwing that out into the world. And one of the last things you might have seen with this is Ukrainian President Zelensky seemingly trying to have like a softer tone. Spending part of last week having the United States and Western media downplay its rhetoric about the situation between Ukraine and Russia. But in a surprising turn of events, all of that might have been based off of a misunderstanding. So apparently Ukrainian doesn't have a word that corresponds very well with imminent. The closest word they have is neminuchi, which means inevitable. Right, and with that, obviously in English, there is a clear difference between imminent and inevitable. So apparently what Zelensky's been hearing is war is inevitably going to happen, which would explain why he's been like, whoa, 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 let's chill out. And actually, as I was recording today, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki pretty much confirmed this and said the U.S. won't use imminent anymore to avoid unintended messaging. But mistranslation and misunderstandings aside, the concern over possible Russian aggression continues to be real, with it leading to a number of countries sending weapons to Ukraine, with the most recent being Poland, promising to send shoulder-fired anti-aircraft missiles. Also, there's the news that leaders from Poland, the U.K., and Ukraine met and are working on a trilateral security pact. And while the details there aren't completely known yet, it could mean that if Russia were to engage in aggressive action, it would lead directly to two NATO members becoming militarily involved, which could be a huge deterrent. Now, Russia, for their part, have been doing their own things, getting more and more troops at the border, also getting Belarus to agree to help if war happened, which has also now led to the U.S. announcing this morning that it would deploy troops to NATO allies in the region. But we're talking about thousands of troops, and the intention here seems to be to ease the minds of NATO allies, many of which fear that Russia may not only strike at Ukraine, but them as well. This is a really big deal, because up until today, the U.S. really downplayed that possibility. But in a press conference about the move, the Pentagon's press secretary was pretty clear. It's important that we send a strong signal to Mr. Putin and frankly to the world that NATO matters to the United States. It, made, it matters to our allies. And we have ironclad Article 5 commitments. Uh, an attack on one is an attack on, on all. And so uh, we know that, uh, that, uh, that he also bristles uh, at NATO, uh, about NATO. Uh, and uh, he has made the, no secret of that. Um, we are making it clear 
uh, that we're going to be prepared to defend our NATO allies if it comes to that. You also had the Ukrainian foreign minister today endorsing a plan proposed by the U.S. to ease tensions, with a proposal attempting to ease one of Putin's biggest concerns, that if Ukraine joins NATO, it would allow the United States to place short-range missiles there that could reach Moscow. But President Biden countered, saying that both the U.S. and Russia should abstain from putting offensive military capabilities in Ukraine. It would prevent those short-range missiles from entering the country, while also clearly indicating that Russian troops and material in the country be withdrawn. And as the Ukrainian foreign minister put it, I would like to note that while the United States has neither missiles nor combat that units in Ukraine, Russia has both. And with all of that said, I mean, we just have to kind of wait to see what happens next, which is horrifying, especially because this situation just feels like it's escalating every single day with no end in sight, but we'll see. But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. As always, thank you for watching, like, and hitting that subscribe button for these daily dives into the news. I love yo faces, and I'll see you tomorrow.